Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybooks together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Alrighty, my friends, welcome back to the Story Box. So glad that you're here today. Where are all my UFC fans out there? I know there's probably some of you in in the audience uh, that are listening. Well, guess what, my friends? I have had the absolute pleasure of speaking to quite literally the goat of the sport. Uh, His name is George Rush St-Pierre, or also known as GSP for those of you that uh, follow the sport at all. He's a Canadian professional mixed martial artist and UFC world champion who holds black belts in both uh, Kuyo Kushin, Karate, and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, if I said that correctly. He was born and raised in Quebec, a small town of about 2,000 people. And as he said, he was he was bullied growing up by kids older than him. His father actually introduced him to uh, Kuyo Kushin, Karate, at age seven. But as, as uh, George says, life isn't like a movie. You can do all the karate you want. And when you're eight or nine years old and they're 12 years old, when you're alone and there's three of them, you can't do anything. That's the reality. Uh, so George actually saw Royce Gracie fight in 1993 at UFC 1. So that was well before I was born, actually. And that is when he knew that uh, fighting was what he wanted to do as a career, that is. He grew up uh, as a person and as a fighter. He added fighting disciplines such as boxing, wrestling, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu to his karate backgrounds and competed in his first amateur bout at age 16. He won that match and continued the steady improvement. In 2006, he became the UFC welterweight champion. He lost the title in 2007, but subsequently regained it in front of his hometown fans of Montreal in 2008 and hasn't lost a single title uh, defense since then. And I'll just read out some of the amazing facts for you. Uh, His record is 28 wins, 8 by knockout, 6 by submission, 12 by decision, and only 2 defeats. He's a two-time welterweight champion of the world, including 9 consecutive successful defenses from 2008 to 2013, Ultimate Fighting Championship for the UFC, Middleweight Champion of the World in 2017, uh, from the UFC as well. He's got so many other awards too. But one one of the things that I found interesting that about George that kind of separates him amongst the crowd is that 
when George finished up his time at the UFC, he made the decision to go into a another area that would be seeming quite challenging for a lot of people, and that was to become a Hollywood actor. George starred in the Marvel 2014 super hit Captain America the Winter Soldier where he portrayed supervillain, uh, menacery, combatant, George's Batroc the Leper. Uh, he starred sharing the screen, sorry, with lead actor Chris Evans. Uh, he's one of the most exciting fight sequences of the entire Marvel entire cinematic universe, believe it or not. In 2021, he again regained his, his role and leapt back into action, this time fighting the Falcon, Anthony Mackie, for those of you that know him, in multiple episodes of the Disney Plus series, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He's been in other movies as well. And today I have the opportunity to present his incredible story to you and unbox some things that you may or may not have heard George speak about on other shows that he's been on. I really, really enjoyed my time with him and I could have spoken to him for ages, but you know how it is. Um, but I really do appreciate George and his story and for making the time to be on the show uh, today for you guys. I hope you enjoy it. So uh, before you go, make sure to leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcast. And if this was a helpful conversation, don't forget to share it too. Uh, all the links that you need for watching the video, everything are all in the show notes below too. So my friends, that's enough from me. You know what time it is. It is time to journey into this story box as we listen, learn and grow uh, from the incredible story, the wisdom and the advice from none other than George Rush Saint-Pierre or GSP. Right, thank you for this uh, fantastic introduction, my friend. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> You've now got to take me everywhere you go just so I can do those introductions more often. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here with you. Now, I'm glad that you have been able to make the time to actually be here today, man. Like I've, I've watched you on the UFC. I've no doubt been a fan of yours growing up, uh, watching the sport and you have, you have a nickname called rush, I believe. And if people were to actually watch you in the sport, that nickname actually really, really suits <laughs> before we yeah. before we dive into your backstory, how this all got started for you and, and all the other questions I do have for you. The very first question that I want to ask is what does success look like for you? Successful. Well, I think to be to make yourself successful, su to be successful, it's ultimately I believe is to be happy. And I'm very happy in my life. Um, I used to be when I when I was younger, I was not happy of my situation. I didn't like myself. So what I did is I make a plan and that who I wanted to become. I didn't like who I was at the time, but I liked who I wanted to become. Mm. So that's how it happened. It, it all started by a, with a dream, you know, and uh, personally, that's how I did it. Mm. Why didn't you like who you were when you were a kid? And more specifically, what was the plan that you made to become the person that you would no doubt later like? Well, growing up, I'm, uh, I was victim of bullying. Uh, the reason why I start 
martial art is because of bullying. I was a I was a victim and I was complaining about everything at the time. I was very negative and um I didn't I, I'm not from a very wealthy family, so um I see a lot of other kids they they were they were having for example the the shoes, the Nike, the Air Jordan shoes and I didn't have the luxury to have those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And it made me very negative i was always complaining because at that time i didn't travel i didn't see the world how the world really was so i was i thought of myself being not a lucky kid now i realize it's all wrong because i'm I'm from canada you know and there is much much worse place Mm. so growing up i uh being very negative victim of bullying i started doing martial art as a self-defense then I became very successful because martial art was a place where I was pretty much doing very well. I was not doing well at school. I was not, you know, I didn't have a lot of, a lot of friends, but martial art became for me the place where I became successful. So I fall in love with it. Um, I started as a self-defense. Self-defense became quickly a passion and a passion later on down became a business the way I, I make a living out of it. Mm. Very humble beginnings, George. I mean, you grew up in a very small town. You mentioned, I think it was like 2000 people. And I know the feeling of not having those Nikes when all your friends have the Nikes and the nice shoes. I remember growing up, I wanted basketball shoes and my, you know, my, my family, we can only really afford sports shoes one one pair a year actually <laughs> so if i wanted extra uh shoes i'd have to save up enough money to go and buy them and in the very first pair i actually borrowed from a friend of mine which gave me terrible blisters another story entirely but i want to go towards your story a little bit and and ask you about when you first started in martial arts why do you think you got good at it I I was pretty good in every sports. I uh, I was very athletic, um, but there is one thing that even I was good. Nobody could have tell at the time that I would have become world champion in mixed martial art. First, mm-hmm. first of all, mar- mixed martial art was not a thing when I when I first started. It was uh, seen as a barbarian sport. It was brand new. Nobody thought that one day it would become very popular, but nobody could have pretend or, or, or predict that I would become martial art, even martial art champion, even in karate. Mm. Uh, I was good, but I, I feel it's the same thing with a lot of kids, you know, like, like you cannot tell if a kid will be world champion right in the beginning. And one reason why is because some kids, yes, are more gifted than others, but even the most gifted kids sometimes, for example, like me, for example, I, 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 I was very good in sport, but I, I, I had my growth spur later in my life. So there were there was kids that were better than me at the time because they had their, their growth mm-hmm. earlier. So it's like a head start for them. So at that age, you can't tell, you know, like, I, I, and I've seen it all the time. Like in, in Canada, hockey is the number one sport. I see the, the, the par- how the parent act when their kids are playing in the arena on the ice and they, they, they all think that their kids are going to make it to the NHL. You know, like you mm-hmm. can't tell at this age. 
the thing that you can do as a parent, I believe, is to 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 make to make it playful. Have your your kid have fun and make it playful. And that's what my parents did for me. They were not the one that took responsibility and told me, "Oh, you didn't do well to this competition." You know, they did. The only the only thing they said to me, they say, hey, "Did you have fun?" And sometimes I was very I was very competitive, so I said, no, I didn't have fun. And they say, okay, next time we'll have fun. You know what I mean? That was the job of my sensei to push me. My parents were just there to make sure I had fun. And, and you know, I, I stay active and I keep doing what I, what I love to do, you know? Mm. I love that, man. So did you ever, like you mentioned that you were bullied, and, and I'm sorry that you were bullied because that did happen to me. We, did you actually get into any fights at school? Oh, I had a, I had a lot of fight at school. Uh, my I have a very good record as a mixed martial art uh, competitor, but in the street it wasn't is not that good. <laughs> uh, I, I I had problems with delinquent uh, kids who were at my school, and they were much older than me. And when you're maybe a ten years old kid, and the other kids are like twelve to thirteen years old, there's a big gap in between the age one is is a is a kid basically and the other one is a is a young teenager so in terms of strength and growth there's a big difference so i couldn't i was not doing very well back then when i when i was involved in in some altercation uh however the way i learn how to deal with this it's not really physical i wish i could tell you i got reared of bullying because i kicked all my open all my uh opponent ass, but that's not the, that's not what I really happened. Martial art taught me to learn how to believe in myself. It, it made me gain confidence. And I believe the bully is like a predatory animal in nature. The lion will always hunt the weakest prey. It will not go against the big alpha bull. It will go against the weakest one the one who's injured, the one who's older or the youngest one. Bully, bullies are the same, the same way in, in society. They go after the one that are weak. And when I was young growing up, I didn't like who I was because I didn't have a good self-image of, of myself. I was looking at myself in the mirror and I didn't, I didn't see a successful kid. I see a kid who was scared, uh, uh, was not successful. I didn't like what I was seeing in the mirror. And it, it, it shows the way I was carrying myself. I was looking down. I didn't have a good confidence. So martial art taught me to become confidence. Confidence is something that you can learn. Yeah. It's not something that just happened over overnight. You can build it. And it taught me to stand up straight. When I talk to someone, look at him in the eyes. When I shake someone's hand, a firm handshake, and I, and I stand up straight and I look at him. So I wanted to change my environment at the time, but I, it taught, martial art taught me that in order to change my environment, I need to change myself from the inside out. And it happened over a, 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 a slow process. Mm. And by gaining confidence, people stopped bullying me at the time. That's how it really happened. It did not happen like in a Hollywood movie, like bing, bang, boom, I, I, I beat everybody. Unfortunately, no, it's not the reality. It happened over a, a long period of time and I gained confidence. And by gaining confidence, I was not an easy target for the bullied anymore. Mm. You actually brought up uh, 
an area that I wanted to touch on, which is confidence and uh, how we actually go about developing confidence. And you're right. It does happen over a period of time. And, you know, I like how you said, it's not like the movie. We all want it to happen like that, but it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't happen. Uh, I think we have that sort of image in our brains, thanks to Hollywood, but you know, for you, I'm curious, how did martial arts give you that confidence? And then when you had that confidence, did that mean you weren't afraid anymore? I always was afraid, uh, being afraid and, and not being confident, not, not being confident. It's not the same thing. Mm. You can be confident, but being afraid. And that's how I was. I always was during my fight. Confidence come from how you prepared yourself, especially in, uh, an athletic sporting competition. Yeah. If you, for example, if I, I, I give a good analogy to kids all the time, I said, if you have a good, an exam at school and you studied very hard, you will be scared of failure still, but you have the right to be confident because you know, you prepare yourself the best you can. Someone who does not study, now he's going to be scared and he's not going to be confident. So when I'm getting ready for a fight, I always prepare myself the best as I can. And it should be the same for everybody in every field of work. And let me tell you something. You can have all the skills in, in the world, but if you do not have confidence, it's like someone who has a lot of money in his bank account, but no way of accessing it. Yeah. You need to have the skills, of course, and the confidence that comes with it. And then the magic can happen. Mm. I love that distinction, man. Great, great points you raised there. Were there any times in your professional career that you did not feel confident? And what happened when, when, that, when that was the result? Oh, I, a lot of times. Um, one time I remember when I had my first title shot, I, uh, I was fighting the legendary Matt Hughes. And I used to see that, that man compete for many years. So he was... For me, it was, it was unreal. Even I remember when I did the face-off against Matt Hughes, I couldn't even look at him in the eyes because I was not going into that fight to win. I was going to not lose. Yeah. So I was not confident. I knew I trained for that fight the best as I could. I prepared as uh, the best I could, but I couldn't see any way that I could beat that guy. I, I took the fight. And it, 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 it demands a lot of courage to take a fight, not thinking that you're going to win, thinking that, oh, I'm going to go there and do my best, but I'm going to try, you know, even if I cannot win, at least I'm not going to try to not lose. So I, I, I took that fight and I lost, but it's by watching it after that I realized I, I was like, man, wait a second, I could have won that fight. This guy is just another, is, is a human being. I could have beat him. And I believe personally, that's one of the major reasons that when I faced Matthews the second and the third time, mentally, I was not the same person that I was when I fought him the first time. And that's one of the biggest reasons that, that I beat him the, the, the second and third time I fought him mm. because I was confident. Mm. I think confidence is such an important area for us to really hone in on in our lives because without confidence, you know, a lot of things can go wrong in our life and we can get stuck. 
And I always appreciate the mindset of a fighter like yourself and someone who at the end of your professional career, you've then taken it a step further. You've then taken yourself into another unknown area that you probably wouldn't have thought about doing in the first place, which is the, the massive beast that is Hollywood. Uh, I want to get to that in just a moment, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask you and give my audience context on uh, how you actually got your 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 time in the UFC. Like, how did that story come about? Uh, how did I translate from UFC to to the movies? That's that, that's your question. So I'll get to that question in just a moment. Okay, but okay. if I was to go back a little bit. Uh, how did you get your shot in the actual UFC? Sorry, I should have clarified that question. The, the, the way I got to UFC is um, at the time, there was a young, very promising fighter. Uh, his name was Robbie Lawler. Uh, mm-hmm. he, was, he, he became later on UFC world champion, but at the time he was like 19 or early 20s uh, years old. And uh, he was uh, a rising star. And that was um, another fighter named Pete Spratt who came out of nowhere and beat Robbie Lawler at the time with devastating leg kick. He, he stopped him by, by uh, TKO. And that was a huge upset. So there, there was a, man, a, a promoter in Canada that was able to organize a fight in between myself and Pete Spratt, who beat up Robbie Lawler at the time. Mm-hmm. And so when Pete Spratt came to fight in Canada, he was probably thinking that he just come to collect a paycheck, an easy paycheck. But I beat him. I I, I beat him by a, a choke. Uh, Adeka Jimmy, one of my favorite uh, choke. And I surprised everybody. So that's how I came on the UFC radar. Because Pete Spratt at the time was a big name. He came to fight in Canada and I beat him. I upset everybody. So everybody was like, who's that kid that just beat Pete Spratt? And that was my ticket to the, the UFC. That's how I, I, I started. There was a very smart move from uh, Stefan Patry, who was my manager at the time. Mm. Where did the nickname Rush come into play? So the nickname Rush come into play because in my amateur and early professional career, I used to beat up all my opponents in, in less than a round. However, I'll, I'll time pass by, people start to study, study you and they know your game. So they adapt better and things start to get more difficult to me to finish them in the, in the first round. So I needed more time. But that's how my nickname come from, Rush. To me, man, you're still rush, honestly, when it comes to fighting, even though when some of them went longer than two rounds. Uh, I remember some of your fights with Nate Diaz. Now, for those of you that don't know who Nate Diaz is, he's a pretty, he's like a massive punching bag. Like the guy can take a hit, honestly. I think the only way you can really uh, pin the guy is if you sub- submit him, like if you get him down on the ground. But I, I'm still, I'm still rushed because with me, there's no filling out process. The fight start when the bell ring. A lot of fighter they need time to. F- the f- they call it the filling out process. I don't do that. Mm. I do the filling out process. It's all up here. 
I'm ready to to fight right away. I'm ready to take the risk, and I'm I'm engaging. I'm I'm gonna bring the fight to you, no matter what. That's why I'm I'm rush. You know. Mm, I love it, man. What is going through your mind before the fight? So the the time leading up towards the fight, and then during the fight. So it's a very uncomfortable feeling. Uh, everything that happened before the fight, especially even I would say on when the fight get announced. It's like a funnel, but on the other side. Yeah. The the closer you get to the fight, the more uncomfortable it is. And I never I never liked that feeling. I hate it. I never liked to fight in the first place. I just did it because it it allowed me to have the freedom, the money, the access of things that other people does not have, and the lifestyle that I have. That's why I did it. I used fighting to get me where I am in my life. I was just good at it, but I don't like to compete. I like the science of it. I like to train, but I do not like. So before a fight, it's very, very hard. It's unbearable. The feeling of not knowing if you will be badly hurt or humiliated or or winning the ultimate prize of victory. It's unbearable for me. And the closer you get to the fight, the worse it becomes until the person that works for UFC step in your locker room and says, St. Pierre, you up next. Now everything changed mentally for me. I, I turn into what I call cruise control. I'm emotionless. I'm, I don't have any emotion. I'm stoic. I'm on cruise control. So everything that I've done to all my life, those repetition, those drill will happen. Like if an opponent throws something at me, I don't even think because you don't have time to think. If you think it's too late, you just react, cruise control. And that's how I feel how it is for me. Mm. What do you think separates a good fighter compared to a great fighter like yourself? There's different ways uh, of explaining it, but for me, it's like a, tr- a triangle. Uh, if I watch a fighter, there is the physical aspect. Mm. Uh, are you in good shape? Are you injury free? That's the physical aspect. That's the foundation of a fighter. If you the, and the, the 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 wider is your foundation, normally the more solid is your ba- is your base. Yeah. So this is very important. Are you a good athlete? Are you in good shape? Are you injury injury free? Physical. There, there is another layer that comes after the physical that come over your technique, the technical aspect. And a lot of the elite fighter are very good technically. They know how to get out of an armbar. They, 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 their knowledge of the game is very good. Yeah. And there is a third layer that differ that make the difference between the contender and the champions. This is the tactical layer. And let me explain that people sometimes they misunderstand between the difference between technical and tactical. Tactical, it requires to know yourself very well, which is hard, by the way. It's not everybody that know themselves very well and know your opponent and be able to know how you will match your strength against his strength and be able to take your opponent out of his comfort zone to bring the fight where you will slope the odds in your favor to win the fight. 
And this is the tactical. Uh, so the, you have the physical, you have the physical, the, 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 the technical and the tactical on top of it. And tactical, that's, that's what makes the difference between the contenders and champions. Mm, I like that analogy. Makes a lot of sense to me. Um, for those, uh, this is more of an interesting question for myself. You've, you've had eight wins by knockout, six by submission, 12 by decision. Which one for you feels better? Well, it depends of the opponent that I'm facing. Um, I really liked the submission. And the reason why I like the submission is because your opponent is telling you, I give up. You're better than me. I, I give you the referee. And very often also, the reason why I like the submission better is because you do not hurt your opponent. If mm -hmm. he tap out or if the referee stopped the fight because of a submission, sometimes you will break an arm, of course. But if, if the guy tap out, it's because he tap out before he, he get badly hurt. You know what I mean? So I'm not there when I fight. I'm not there to badly injure my opponent. The only thing I want is to win. Yeah. And I will never want to win a fight knowing that I badly injure my opponent. It will make me feel bad. Mm. You sound like a very kind fighter. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, 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 I am nice, but when I fight, I would say I have two different personality. I have the Georges Saint-Pierre, the one that you're talking to right now that does not like to fight who, uh, you know, try to be a good role model and, uh, you know, a, a good person. Mm. Uh, but there's also GSP. GSP is different. GSP only happened to be there when I start training and I do, for example, I hit the pad because when I hit the pad or I, I train jujitsu, all this, this, the mechanic of my movement, now I start to remember it. And I remember that I'm good at it. Even though I don't like to fight, now I'm start to remember that, man, I, 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 I'm, I'm good at this, I'm successful at this, and I start to loving it even more, and I become someone different. Mm. So that's why when I'm telling you that I do not like to fight, I'm not lying, mm. because I'm Georges Saint-Pierre. But if you ask me the question right in the middle of the training or right after one of my training and you tell me, Hey, would you like to compete again? I'm like, yeah, let's do it because I'm not the same person. You mm. know what I mean? You become a different animal. That's why you say you play football, you play hockey, you play basketball, but you do not play fighting. Yeah. Fighting is different. It's, it's, it's not only a sport. It's something different. It's something that get us to, to the core. You know what I mean? You mm. need to become, someone different sometime when you feel that's, that's how I, that's how I feel personally about it. Mm. So is that one of the reasons why it kind of led you to finishing up your time in the UFC or what was the catalyst for you to leave? I always wanted to, to stay healthy. I always wanted to finish on top. And there's also a business reason that most of fighters do not understand. I compare athlete in combat sport to stock market. When you're a champion, your stock is very high and you're always in the dilemma of, am I taking another fight? Am I leaving money on the table? Or, or you know, because the last person to know when it's time to retire is always a, the fighter itself. Yeah. However, for myself, I know I was getting older. 
I uh, and I was champion. I achieved everything that I wanted to achieve. And if I would have taken another fight, it would not have excited me as much as the previous one. Yeah. So my 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 excitation would have gone down, which mm -hmm. is not a good thing. And I always wanted to finish on top. So my stock is high. So when I turn around, a lot of opportunities open. A lot of doors are open to me. If you retire and your stock is low, now all those doors will close. And unfortunately, in the fighting, in, in combat sport, most athletes, yeah. they retire too late. Perhaps because they believe they leave money on the table. But the truth is, at long term, they do not leave money on the table if they retire on top. Because they, they retire when their stock is high and they will, get, they will make that money, but maybe on a longer period of time. And on top of that, they will not affect their well-being, their health, which mm. is the most important thing. So why did you want to go into Hollywood of all places? Why, why Hollywood? Well, I, I, when I was young, I always liked to play character when I was, uh, when I was playing. And also, um, when I was, uh, I had a chance during my life to, to do some cameo in movies, but I was too focused at that time on my mixed martial art career competing. So I didn't took any acting class, nothing like that, but I really liked my experience. And as soon as I retired, I, the timing was just perfect because Disney contacted me and they say they wanted me to reprise my role of Batroc the Leaper in a series called The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And right away, I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so I start right when I retired, I start to have acting classes, camera classes, uh, theater classes, uh, English classes. Um, I'm training now just as hard in this that I've been training for, for fighting in my, during my mixed martial art career. So it's really something that I, that I want to improve in terms of for my game, you know, mm. and, um, I am aware that there's level to this and I, I need to start back to white belt, but I welcome the challenge and I'm ready for it. Mm. What has been some of the challenges for you transitioning from the UFC into Hollywood? Well, actually, there's a lot of similarities in fighting and, and acting. I've been, I think I've been acting all my life because when I was getting ready for fights or, you know, I was very scared. You know, if you see me walking towards the octagon before a fight, deep down inside, I'm very scared and very uncomfortable. However, I'm pretending that I'm happy to be there and I'm walking like if... It's impossible for me to fail. So I'm acting. And also one thing that is very similar is that in fighting, you rehearse, you, 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 you do a lot of drills of situations that might occur in the fight. But when you get into the fight, you find out quick enough that your opponent is never as good as you think he is, is never as bad as you think he is. It's always different. And the same thing in movies. You can practice a scene over, over, and over. But when you get there on set, you found out quick enough, like in fighting, maybe the reactions of the, the actor with who you're playing will be different. Maybe the background is different. 
So you need to be like Bruce Lee said, you need to be like water, be mm -hmm. ready to, to adapt to everything. So that's why I believe the best actor and the best fighter are the one that adapt the best. I think it's interesting how you can have some of the best actors in, in the world, right? That we recognize they prepare like absolute crazy, but then when they get on set, no matter how many times they do it. And I've asked them this question many times, they still tell me that they're nervous. They still tell me that they struggle to remember some lines because it's that high pressure situation. You got a lot of people depending on you, especially if it's a high paying role as well. So you got all these variables, but you know, some people are, are, are good at it than, than others. And you've been able to do a, a fantastic job at it, George. So I highly commend you at that. And I've loved seeing you in Falcon and the Winter Soldier and even uh, even the Winter Soldier too. So it's it's been good. What's next for you, man? What's ne what's coming up for you? I have a few projects wor working on. Um, however, COVID has delayed a lot of it. So uh, some of the stuff was supposed to be happening right now, but they've been uh, delayed until uh, 2022. So, uh, but I keep, working it just gives me more time to improve my game and i keep working really hard to get better and uh, in, in acting and improve my my english as well i love it man two final questions for you, if you don't mind uh, what what do you love the most about yourself and your story hmm what i love i love the most about my story um what I love the most, that's, that's a hard question. My goodness. Okay. <laughs> Left the best to last. What I love the most about myself and my story, I think I'm going to answer it in once. I think it's because I'm never satisfied. I'm very happy right now. And I'm very, trust me, I'm very happy where, where I am in my life. But I believe when you are satisfied, it's when your happiness can go down. When you keep your mind occupied of goals that you want to achieve, it helps you to stay happy because you're not satisfied and you're always working towards something. Yeah. So for me, yes, I, I had a great career as a, in mixed martial art, but now I retired and I turn around and I have another goal. A lot of, a lot of fight, unfortunately, I feel like they make the mistake of after their career, they, it feels like they don't have nothing else to achieve. So they get into depression, alcohol and drugs. So I think you need to keep your mind occupied. Satisfaction is the death, the death. You don't want to be satisfied. Are you satisfied? No, I am not. I want more. I want this. I want that. And there's a, a famous quote that says that the danger in, in life is not to, to aim high and never be able to reach your goal. is to aim low and be able to make it. So then you're satisfied. So I think it's important to always keep your mind occupied and strive towards something. 
Mm, I love that, man. My final question for you is my all-time favorite question. I ask everyone at the end. It's a hypothetical one with three minutes left on the clock. <laughs> Sorry to rush, but uh, imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument. They've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say? and to show about your life. I think I would love to, I would love to be happy in life, but what would make me happy is that I had a profound effect on people that I was able during my lifetime to change the life of people some people perhaps that I don't know, but some people that I know that I know that I care about and, and that I love to change their life in a very positive way. Yeah. That's I feel that would be something that would make me very happy. Mm -hmm. Um right now I I had a very crazy life, you know, in terms I had a lot of success in my career and I was able to achieve a lot of the things that I wanted to achieve in terms of traveling and stuff like that, I feel very lucky. But sometimes when I'm going somewhere in vacation, I'm not going for myself. I'm going to take on someone that is my friend or my family with me to making him having that experience so the fun that I have is not me having the experience, it's the person that I care about having this experience so I can witness that and that's what makes me happy. So it's not that I'm bored now, I'm not bored, but that's another stage in life that I, I'm i shifting into, yeah. so, so to speak, you know what I mean? I, I know it feels old and stuff to say that, but that's what makes me happy right now you know to, to to take my dad bring him in a safari in africa and and because he never took the plane ever in his life and taking and take him in africa and see how he react when he see the lions and you know it's first time i see the lions live in nature too but i'm like to witness that for me that's that's gold and happiness for me i love a perfect send-off message george st pierre thank you so much my friend for your time for your story everything you're doing and for coming on the storybox podcast thank you so much i thank you very much for having me thank you stay safe and healthy i really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story i just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today.
Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 